would be my joy if you would join me in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 will be in verse 54 as we begin tonight, or this morning. We're not going to be here all day, I promise. So verse 54. Um, in God's Word this morning, we, for this whole semester, have been spending time in the last week of Jesus' life, the, the Passion Week of Luke's Gospel. But it's here this morning that we actually pan the camera away from Jesus for a moment, away from Jesus being arrested or Jesus being examined, Jesus going to the cross, and we get to see the camera lens pan to Peter in the courtyard. And in this moment, we see Peter who, who sees his sin, who sees his brokenness and experiences the love of the Lord. So let's read God's word together. It says this, Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looked closely, looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went away, or he went out and wept bitterly. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would help us this morning. Lord, that you would do the same beautiful work that you did in Peter's heart, in Peter's life on that night, Lord, that you would do the same thing in our heart. Lord, that we would see our sin. That we would see how in our own hearts we deny you at times. Lord, that we would at the same time see the loving look of Jesus. And Lord, that it would break us. That it would move us to repentance. Lord, that we might love you and serve you all our days. Lord, we pray this, and we ask that you would do this by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it all started with a look. That's how a lot of love stories begin, right? One look, one glance. The, the moment you caught her eye, and everything changed. Right, Rebecca? The moment she glanced into these eyes. I, I remember when I was little, I don't know if you all had parents that like to blare like old m music in your house, like the, the Four Tops or the Temptations 
or Lionel Richie. I used to listen to this music through my house, and there was a song by the Hollies, a song called Just One Look. Anybody know that song? It was an old hit from 1964, a a never-ending hook that said, Just One Look. That's all it took. Just one look. That's all it took. Maybe for some of you all, you remember the first look of your spouse. Or the first look at your newborn baby. And whatever it was, it was huge in your heart in that moment. However, there's one look that literally changes everything for sinners like you and me. There's one look that that changed the Apostle Peter here. It's a look that will change you this morning. This look we read about in Luke 22, it's the loving look of Jesus for sinners like Peter. For people that would deny Jesus like Peter. It's the loving look of Jesus for sinners like you and like me. But first, our our passage starts with this. The first thing I want us to see is the dangerous denial of a disciple. The dangerous denial of a disciple. This is a heartbreaking story. One of the most heartbreaking stories in the Gospels. Jesus' closest disciple, some would say his closest friend, Peter the Rock, turns his back on Jesus. It all begins when Jesus is arrested in the garden, as we saw last week, and he's taken to the house of the high priest. Peter's keeping his distance, but he follows the arresting angry mob, and he finds himself sitting by the fire in the courtyard of the high priest. And while he's standing by the fire, our passage says a young slave girl catches a glimpse of his face in the firelight, and she says confidently to Peter, this man was also with him. This man was with Jesus. Out of all the people in the courtyard, listen, this this lady would be the lowest person in the courtyard. I mean, the lowest person in society, the, the least intimidating person that could have said this. She's a young servant girl. And yet Peter denies Jesus, saying, Woman, I do not know him. I've never met the guy. I don't know him. Well, then another man, a little bit later, a man who probably didn't hear the young slave girl, he says, You also are one of them. You are one of his disciples. I've seen you following him. And yet a second time, Peter is adamant about his denial. He's like direct to the point, as clear as he could be, straight to the point. Man, I am not. Well, then about an hour passes, our passage says. A short interval of time, and another man speaks up. And this man, the text says, insists that he's right. He's never been more confident in his life. In verse 59, it says, Certainly, certainly this man also was with him. Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. 
Maybe it was his Galilean clothes that he was wearing. Maybe he had his Galilean Grizzlies jersey on. That, or, or maybe it was his Galilean accent. He, they, they noticed something about his voice. I remember one time when I was in New York City with Rebecca, and we were eating at Bubba Gump's in Times Square, right outside of Times Square. And Rebecca asked the guy a question. She said, hey, can you tell that we're from the South? And he said, I can't tell that you're from the South, but I can tell that he's from the South. And I don't know if it was like I had a UK shirt on or I said miracle or something. (laughs) My country comes out sometimes and it gave it away. But, But whatever it is here, his cover has been blown. There's no hiding the truth. They know without a shadow of a doubt that he's a disciple. And yet, a third time, Peter says, man, I do not know what you're talking about. I don't know him. The self-confident Peter who, who just hours ago had proclaimed, though they all might fall away, I will never fall away. The self-confident Peter who declared, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you. I'm ready to go to death with you. This solid rock on which the Lord would build his church was now looking like sinking sand. The disciple who for three years had been walking so close to Jesus now is saying, I don't know him. Our hearts probably hear these words and we see Peter doing this on the night Jesus was betrayed. And our hearts might say, how could Peter deny Jesus? How could Peter deny Jesus? If if anybody was the most faithful to Jesus, if anyone in the gospel seemed closest to Jesus, Peter would be at the top of the list. I mean, when Jesus went up to the mountain and his glory was seen so everybody could see his glory, Peter was was there on the mountain. And when Jesus wept in his darkest moment in the garden, guess who he took with him? He took Peter to pray with him. In fact, if, if you read the list of Jesus calling his disciples In every single gospel, guess who's listed first? Peter. And in every single gospel, guess who's listed last? Judas. And it's not by accident that Peter is listed first. However, our hearts shouldn't be asking this morning, how could Peter deny Jesus? Our heart should be broken, crying out in our weakness. If Peter could deny Jesus, I could too. I could be silent too. This is what the text is is driving our hearts to this morning. Not to self-confidence, but to see our own weakness. To see our own Need our own fragility like Peter. Again, we shouldn't read this text and say, how could he do this? 
How could he? Instead, we should say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Our lips just sang it a second ago. And hopefully our hearts felt it. I feel like my heart feels it every time that we sing it. These words, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We know, every single one of us know that our hearts are prone to run after sin. Our hearts are prone to treasure sin like it's better than Jesus. We are prone to run towards sin, thinking that sin can satisfy us when only Jesus can satisfy. But this morning, our hearts could just as easily have sang, prone to deny you, Lord, I feel it. Prone to be silent about the Lord I love. We know our hearts can be prone to deny Jesus. Our hearts fail to talk about the one we say we treasure. We can shrink back in the face of opposition. We we can be silent when the world around us, when our neighbor nears us, near us, needs our Savior, and we can be silent too. I'm sure right now you can think of the faces of people, the, the faces of people who needed you to say the name of Jesus, who needed you to call them to repentance and faith. Who needed you to speak up for the glory and the honor of Jesus? Who needed to hear you talk about a Savior who could save them from their sins? But in that moment, you held back. People all around us who need to know the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus, but in our silence, we're saying, I don't know him. Three billion people who've never heard the name of Jesus, and yet in our complacency, we're saying, I don't know him. Then our passage says this in verse 60, and immediately, and immediately, while he was still speaking. You hear that? While he was still speaking while the words were still on his lips. Like while the denial was being done, the rooster starts to crow. Think about the shame that could have come with that sound. The shame of him breaking the promise. I will never, I will never fall away. I'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. Think about the guilt that could have flooded your soul with the reality that you, like Peter, had just rejected Jesus. How could I? How could I have denied my Lord? How could I have turned my back on Jesus? Maybe you felt the shame before of running after your sins. Maybe you felt the guilt of rejecting 
your Lord and Savior, calling Him your Lord. And if this was the end of the story, the guilt and shame would remain forever. The guilt and shame would have gone on forever. That rooster would have crowed in Peter's heart forever. But praise the Lord, it's not the end of the story. Because not only do we see the dangerous denial of a disciple, we see, secondly, the loving look of the Lord. The loving look of the Lord. While the rooster echoed through the darkness and through the heart of Peter, Luke adds a detail that no other gospel adds. A detail that's very important, it's significant to Peter's story. Listen to verse 760 and 61. Again, it says, And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. He turned and looked at Peter. This word looked in the original language means looked with purpose. He looked intently. He looked at Peter to see him. Jesus turns to look at Peter. We don't know if he's just in another part of the courtyard. We we don't know if there was an opening within the house, a window that he could see out to see him. But wherever he is, he can turn and he can see Peter. And when Jesus turns, he's not wondering, I wonder what happened. He's not looking to see, I wonder if Peter actually did it. I wonder if he actually denied me. No, Jesus already told Peter what he was going to do. He already told him that he was going to deny him three times before the rooster crows. And hearing the rooster crow, Jesus knows that the the, the denial has been done. He knows that the denial has been done and that he is now all alone. What's in a look from the Lord? What happens when Jesus looks at you in your sin, in your betrayal, in your denial, when he looks at you in your shame? What's in a look? Of Jesus. Well, my heart immediately assumes it's a look of shame. A look that says, What a failure. What a failure, Peter, that you would deny me. My heart immediately assumes that it's a look of disappointment. How could you do this? How could you do this? You were so close to me. You were. You were with me when I fed the 5,000. You saw me heal the leper and the blind man. You you walked with me. You were the closest to me. How could you do that? It's a look that says, I told you so. I knew you would fall away. I knew you would deny me. I knew it would come to this. Maybe you've heard the phrase, if looks could kill. See, I assume that Peter in this moment would wish he was dead, wish he was gone. 
And the reason I assume this is because this is how I often believe that Jesus looks at me. This is how I assume that Jesus looks at me. This is how he sees me in my sin. This is how he feels about me when I am guilty, when I'm in shame. So I assume that's how he sees Peter, too. Lance, what a failure. What a disappointment. A sorry excuse for someone that would call himself a follower of mine. You call yourself a disciple? You, you call yourself a follower? You call yourself a father? You, you call yourself a pastor? And, and I picture him the whole time shaking his head. Adding to the shame. Is that how you see Jesus look at you this morning? Is that what you see in his eyes when he turns his face in your direction? Is it with disappointment? Is it out of frustration? Listen, brothers and sisters, this is not how Jesus looks at Peter. And this is not how Jesus looks at you. If you remember from just a few weeks ago, Jesus has already shown us his heart towards Peter. He already told us what his heart was like when he, with complete tenderness and gentleness, back in verse 31, says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. See, Jesus knew that this moment was coming. Jesus knew that Peter would deny him. There are no surprises here. But Jesus also knew that Peter would need him. Peter would need his love and grace. Peter would need to be reminded of his love. Peter would need to look into the eyes of his loving Lord. And so listen, this is not a look of reproach. This is not a look to make sure that Peter sees him so he can scold him. Jesus' heart is not saying, you are a failure, Peter. No, this is a look of love. It's a look of of grace. This is a look of hope in his darkest moment of Peter's life. It's a look that says, though you deny me, I cannot forget you, Peter. I have prayed for you. Remember, Peter, I have prayed for you. In Jesus's eyes, Peter knew that Jesus knew, but he also knew that Jesus loved him. Peter knew that Jesus knew, but he also knew that Jesus loved him. I mean, it's amazing when you think about it, that even in his darkest moment, think about this, even in his darkest moment, Jesus would not and could not forget Peter. And so that's good news for you and me, because that means even in our darkest moment, Jesus could not and will not 
forget you. He will not forget you. He cannot forget you. This look of Jesus, it doesn't minimize the sin at all. When Jesus looks at him, it doesn't make light of the denial, but this look also doesn't minimize the love of Jesus. Jesus, in this moment, wants to magnify his love in the eyes of Peter. Wants to magnify his grace in the eyes of Peter. And this is so important for us because, especially in the culture we live in today, because what the world around us tells us, this is what the world around us, the, the motto of the world, every commercial you see, every movie you've ever watched, this is the motto, right? You, you just need to accept yourself. If you could just accept yourself. So that whatever's going on in your heart, whatever happened in your past, Whatever you've done, whatever you think your identity is, whatever you feel, you just need to learn to accept yourself. And so this acceptance of yourself often just tries to make sin acceptable. Often just minimizes sin and doesn't talk about it. And this is the the kind of accepting yourself that never wants to change but just stays the same. But brothers and sisters, wh where we really need to find freedom today is finding freedom in God's acceptance of us. Not our acceptance of ourselves, but in God's gracious acceptance of us in Jesus. We need to find freedom in the gospel where, where Jesus accepts us, accepts not our sin, but accepts us despite our sin. He accepts us not because of what we've done or what we haven't done. No, he accepts us because of what Jesus has done for us. What Jesus has done in our place by living a life we could never live. And dying a death that we deserve to die on the cross. And then three days later, rising again. That's where you find freedom. Not by accepting yourself, but finding hope and being accepted by a holy God in Jesus. So that when Jesus looks at us, it's a look that says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a look that says, hey, I know what you did. And I know what you've said. But I love you. And I will not forget you. And I cannot forget you. It's a look that says, I love you where you are. I'll meet you where you are. I'll meet you where you're broken. But I love you enough not to leave you there. I love you enough to change you so that you might look more and more like me. I love what Matt Chandler says. He says, Jesus is not in love with a future version of you. 
Jesus loves you. That's good news for every sinner here today who finds your hope collapsing in Jesus. Jesus is not in love with a future version of you. Jesus is in love with you. Jesus turns his head towards you in your sin, in your denial, in your betrayal, and says, I love you. I cannot forget you. So I'll ask again, now is that how you think Jesus looks at you this morning? Is that how Jesus looks at you this morning? And maybe this morning, the, the freedom that you need this morning is not the freedom of accepting yourself. And maybe this morning, the, the freedom that you need is not the freedom of hearing that God accepts you. Because maybe you've heard that a hundred Sundays before. You've heard the pastor say that Jesus loves you. That he loves not a future version of you, but he loves you. You've heard that thousands of times. You've sung that thousands of times. Maybe what you need this morning is the freedom of accepting that God accepts you. You need the freedom of accepting that Jesus would look at you and would love you in your sin, even in your darkest moment. That's the loving look of the Lord. The loving look that changes everything. Finally, what I want us to see is the beautiful grace of being broken. The beautiful grace of being broken. I, I said earlier in this sermon that this is a heartbreaking story. One of the most heartbreaking stories in all of the Gospels. But what I didn't make clear is that this is a blessing. That it is a beautiful grace to be broken by Jesus. It is a beautiful and a wonderful grace to be broken by Jesus. It's a gift of grace that Jesus would not leave you in your sin, but that he would expose your sin and his love to you. I mean, listen to the last two verses of our passage it says this, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. He was broken. He wept bitterly. But listen, don't for one second feel bad for Peter. Don't for one moment be sad that Peter went out weeping bitterly. Instead, feel bad for the sinner who's never been broken. Feel bad for the sinner who's never seen their sin, who's never wept over turning away from Jesus. 
As Thomas Watson said, Till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. That's true for every one of us this morning. Until, until sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. See, when Peter sees his denial in light of his loving look of Jesus, it leaves him broken. It leaves him undone. When Peter realizes how he could deny and betray the Lord who loves him, he starts weeping. And when any of us see our sin clearly in the light of his love and grace, it should make us weep. When we realize that we could deny the one who would die for us, it should break us. It should break you that you could deny, that you could turn your back on the one whose back was lashed for you. That you could betray the one who would be broken, hung on a cross in your place. Does your sin break you? Does it leave you undone? Does it bother you at all? How do I know that this brokenness, this Weeping bitterly was a blessing for Peter? Well, because even though Peter ran out into his brokenness, he didn't stay in his brokenness. We see clearly in the days ahead that, that Peter would deny his denial. That, that, that Peter would recant his recantation. That he would walk in beautiful, broken repentance. In fact, do you know the next time that we read the name of Peter in the Gospel of Luke? The next time you see the word Peter in the Gospel of Luke, he's running to the empty tomb. He's running to the empty tomb. The one who ran away weeping because of his sin is now running to see his risen Savior. The one who ran weeping because he would deny the one who would die for him is now running to the one who bore all his sins and who has risen victoriously. The one who would deny Jesus on the day that he headed to the cross. Listen, just days later at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 would say this. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you've crucified. The one who told a little servant girl, the least intimidating person in the courtyard, who told her, I don't know him, I don't know who you're talking about, would days later stand before the rulers who demanded that he not speak or teach or even say the name of Jesus. Do you know what he said? Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. The one who wouldn't say the name of Jesus on that night can now not help but say the name of Jesus, his Savior. Let me ask you this morning, have you experienced the beautiful grace of being broken by Jesus. 
Have you had your own blessed, heartbreaking story where Jesus exposed your sin? Where Jesus showed you your rebellion, showed you your heart and how you've turned away? And have you been overwhelmed by the grace that the Lord would look at you? That your Savior loves you? Not a future version of you, but you. This morning, this could be your story. This could be your story today, just like it was those people's story that went through the baptismal waters earlier. The, the story of that I was blind to my sin. I was comfortable in my sin. I was not bothered by my sin. But that one day at church, the Lord broke me of my sin. He showed me my sin and at the same time showed me his love. Show me his grace, lavished upon me his love and forgiveness that I could never earn. But he did it because he loves me. That could be your story today. Psalm 30, verse 5. You could sound like David in Psalm 30 when, when David says, Weeping may tarry in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Do you know how to tell when you've experienced this beautiful grace of being broken? Well, instead of casting judgment on someone else's sin and saying, how could he? You know what you start doing? Your broken heart, seeing your sin in the light, in the light of your Savior who looks on you in love, you start saying, how could I? How could I? And then that beautiful grace of being broken turns into a beautiful life of walking in repentance for the glory of your Savior who would die for you. I love what J.C. Rowell says. He says, he knew what we were before conversion, wicked, guilty, and defiled, yet he loved us. And he knows what we will be after conversion, weak, erring, and frail, yet he loves us. Just one look. That's all it takes is just one look. One look into the eyes of the only Savior. Just one look, and the greatest sinner today, the greatest sinner in this room, can find freedom and forgiveness in the loving eyes of the one and only Savior, Jesus. Just one look in the eyes of His love and grace, and everything can change. You just look towards Jesus, even in this moment, in your brokenness, in your sin, and look upon the one and only Savior. I can promise you this. He's already looking. He's already looking to shower you with love and grace and forgiveness. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask 
that in this moment you would do your breaking work. That, Lord, you would bring your beautiful grace of those who have denied you or turned their backs on you or chased after sin or thought the things of this world were better than Jesus, Lord, that you would do your breaking work of showing them their sin. Showing me my sin. Showing us, Lord, our sin that we would deny, that we would turn our backs on the one who would die for us. And Lord, I pray as you break us of our sin, that you would shower us with your love. Lord, the only love of the perfect Son of God. The only love of the the only name under heaven by which men must be saved, the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would lavish your grace upon us. That, Lord, we would know what it is to be forgiven and free. That we would know what it is to be loved despite our sin because we have a loving Savior who would live and die for us. Oh, Lord, I pray for those who are in this room who have heard that Jesus saves a thousand times, that have heard that Jesus loves them a thousand times, that have heard sermons about Jesus looking upon people in grace a thousand times. Lord, I pray that they today would find the freedom of accepting that we are accepted in Jesus. That they would find the freedom that they are fully forgiven because of Jesus. And that, Lord, just like Peter, even in their brokenness, they might walk in repentance. They might walk in newness of life. They might no longer walk after their sin or deny Jesus, but they might walk towards their Savior, proclaiming that Jesus is the name that is above every other name. Lord, would you do that in our hearts today, that we might turn from sin and cling to Jesus and find a Savior who wants to lavish his love and forgiveness upon us. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.